so we're in a series right now, which is a summer series called A Little Bit of Wisdom, and we're looking at the book of Proverbs. Every summer, we usually like to spend some time diving into a book of the Bible, and felt like it was a great opportunity this summer to just get some wisdom. How many of you look back at some decisions you made in your younger years, or maybe even yesterday, and... Uh, <laughs> And just said, I wish I would have had a little more wisdom on that one. Anybody in here? Come on. Can I get, can I get some honest people in the house? All right. Just look back at a couple, couple you know, decisions you made. And you're like, I wish I would go in a time machine, you know, get Marty McFly and go back and slap myself. And then just get back in the machine and say, I'll see you in the future. And so uh, we are looking at Proverbs because it's full of wisdom. It's written by a guy by the name of King Solomon. He was King David's son. And uh, last week, we started off this series really just with laying the foundation of why do we need wisdom? What's the importance of it? And uh, how, does it, how do we get more of it? And so over the course of the rest of the six weeks, we're going to dive into kind of different topics within the Proverbs and, uh, and just allow those topics to speak to our hearts, to our marriages, to our parenting, to our work, just everything. And so today, uh, I'm really excited about today's message just personally because it's kind of like a life message for me. This has been something that I haven't preached. I don't know if I've ever preached this topic ever before in our church, but it's been something that I've lived out for the last really 17 years. And so I'm really, really excited to, to do that. And, and I think all of us want to get wisdom. How many of you just want to get better at making wise choices? I was reading a thing the other day. They have a thing out there. I don't know if you've have seen this. They have a thing out there called the Darwin Awards. Have you ever heard of these? The Darwin Awards. You can go Google it. That's crazy that Google's now a verb. Go Google it. And, um, and so you can go Google the Darwin Awards. And the Darwin Awards is, is, is some kind of made-up awards that they've given uh, to people who have done stupid things. And so they call it the Darwin Awards. And one of them that I was reading the other day was a guy who uh, the police had been called because he was walking around the streets of Seattle just like, you know, all over the place. And they thought he was drunk, so they called the police there to go and pick him up. When the police got there, the guy was passed out on the, on the sidewalk. So they got him up, brought him to the police station, did a little interview with him, and finally got him, you know, up and, and wanted to find out what was going on. And he, he told them that he had been trying to siphon gas from an RV. But unfortunately, didn't realize there was multiple inputs into the RV, and he had siphoned the septic tank, not the RV. Not the... I mean, you no, know, he didn't do that again. <laughs> Watch which circle I put it in. And so, uh, you know, I, man, I'm just a pastor just trying to help you make good decisions. All right? So don't go siphon gas at RVs. All right? So well, I, I want to help you. And help me to learn how to grab and get and gain as much wisdom as we can so we can make wise decisions in every area of our life. So real quick, how many of you in here, just by a show of hands, want to be a better Christian? You just want to be better Christian. You want to love God more? Okay, good. How many of you, for parents in here, how many want to be a better parent? You want to get better at parenting? Um, how many of you want to be a better spouse for those that are married? Just want to get better and, yeah. <clears throat> how many of you, hopefully your spouse raised their hand. <laughs> you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> it's because I'm the best, baby. I'm the best. <laughs> you proud too. And so that's, I think, in all areas. How many want to get better in your finances? Come on, somebody. All right. Well, we, all, we want to get better in a lot of areas in our lives. But today, the topic that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you I feel is the lid. It's the lid to you either getting better or you staying where you're at. And, and it's a very, very um, 
in-depth topic. Actually, King Solomon speaks about this topic a number of times. So, so here's just the statistic. If you're kind of a statistic kind of geek like I am, 26 of the 31 chapters talk about this topic. 26 out of 31. Only five don't. Ten of the chapters start with this topic. And so it's a big deal in Proverbs. Probably one of the biggest things that Solomon talks about constantly. Because he knows if you and I can get this, our wisdom can go to the next level. And if we get wisdom, then we get more life in our marriage, in, our, in, in all, every area of our life. And so I want to I start with our theme verse that we've been, and it's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. If you got some notes, wave them at me just so I can see that you got them. We want you to be in. Come on. You don't get wisdom unless you write it down. So I want you to take notes. You can also go on the, the Bible app, by the way. If you go to the Bible app, if you have the Bible app, go to the more section, search events. You'll pull up our church, and all of these notes are on the Bible app as well. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. It says, above all and before all, do this. Everybody say these next two words with me. Give wisdom. Okay, all right. Say it one more time. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. wisdom. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. This is what God has called us to do. We want to get wisdom. So what I want to do is I want to show you before I, 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 I share the topic of what we're going to actually be talking about, I want to share with you a little bit about Jesus. So we're going to fast forward to the New Testament. I, have you ever found it odd that we celebrate the birth of Jesus and, and then a couple chapters later, like literally like the next chapter, he's 30. Have you ever noticed that? Like you're like, oh, baby Jesus. And then he's 30. He's like a man. He's like, what happened? Was there a miracle grow? Like, did he just sprout in the next chapter? How did this play out? There's not a lot of actual scriptures on Jesus between his birth and the age of 30, but there is one. There is one little snippet of scripture that gives us a peek into Jesus as an adolescent when he was about 12, 13 years old. And it's found in Luke chapter 2. And uh, you have it there in your notes. I'll put it on the screen, verse 52. And I want you to notice this. It says, Jesus grew in, what's that word? Wisdom. Wait, what? I thought, he, I thought he was wisdom. I thought he had wisdom. Well, you know what? Jesus put aside his godness, became fully man, and he modeled to us what everything in life he's modeled, how to depend on the Holy Spirit. He modeled to us how to grow. And he modeled to us that for him to have wisdom, he had to grow in it too. And at 12 years old, he was growing in wisdom. He was growing in stature. That's just another word for size. He was getting bigger, getting taller. He was growing in favor with God and he was growing in favor with people. Which you, these are really honestly the four greatest areas that you and I can be growing in in our life. But Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world, the creator of everything, also had to grow in wisdom. Well, here's the question. How did he grow? Well, we saw last week King Solomon just asked God and God was like a genie almost and just boom, gave him wisdom. But how did it work for Jesus? How did he grow in his wisdom? Well, if you back up a couple verses, you actually get your answer. So watch, a couple verses before, they had gone to the temple. They, they were on, they had, let's just put it in, in modern turn. They had gone to church 
And they were going back home, which was actually a pretty far off. They were traveling days to get to church. They were on their way back home. <laughs> For all the parents in here, this is going to make you feel real good. It says, and when they could not find him, they lost Jesus. <laughs> Can we not skip over the fact that they lost Jesus? They couldn't find him, and they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. <sighs> Three days later. Okay, now, any mamas in the house? Mamas, raise your hand. Come on, mamas. Mamas, unite. Okay, if, you, if you've lost, who's lost a kid? Anybody lost a kid for a duration of time? If a mama loses a kid for three minutes, my wife is hysterical. I mean, she's like, where, where was my son? Where? And can you imagine the conversation? Three days out, and they're like, hey, hey, hey. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Hey, we're missing somebody. Who we miss? Jesus! It's like home alone. Jesus! And then, of course, you know, you know Mary's like, Joseph, he was your responsibility. You said you were going to watch him. You said you were going to take care of him. Y'all know that was happening. He's like, I'm not the mama. You're the mama. You said you're going to take care of all these kids. He's your little ducklings. You're going to be taking care of these. You said, you lost you. You lost you. We lost the son of God. Come on, you got to think. This is funny, man. And for three days, three days, Joseph had to hear that. I have mad respect for Joseph now. I'm just letting you know. He had to go, he had to travel three days back with Mary being like, I'm going to tell you something. You ain't getting it for at least a year now because you can't, I'm telling you right now, you know, if we lose this kid, I don't know how we're going to go to God and tell him he's got to make another one. And I don't know, you know, he's thinking all these things. <laughs> My imagination runs so wild with these things. Three days later, they finally discover him in the temple. They, discover, they finally get him, which by the way, when they finally show up and get him, how many know he almost died there? How many know Jesus almost, if my, when my wife finds my boys and they were like out in Walmart and then we finally find them, it's like, you're going to die when you get home. You're dying. You're dying. Right? I can't imagine Mary and Joseph strolled up into the temple and were like, you're dying. You're dying. I know you came to crucify for everybody's sins. You're dying now. And they find him. And he's sitting in the, oh God, I got to stop. Sitting among the religious teachers. Now watch this. Watch what Jesus, watch the posture of what Jesus is doing. How did, here's the question. How is Jesus getting wisdom? Listening. He's listening to them and he's what? And he's asking questions. He's asking questions. So let me give you what I think is the lid that prevents you and I from growing, getting better in every area of our life is teachability. We're not teachable. We don't listen. We don't ask questions. And it puts a lid on you and I in so many different ways. We've got to learn to grow in wisdom, grow in teachability. This is what Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Look what it says. Fools think their own way is what? Is right. But the wise, what? Listen to others. The wise listen. Everybody put your hands around you. They listen. We talked about this in the frequency series of the, of, the, of the pattern of listening to God. But notice now he's not, not just listening to God, listening to others. That a fool says, I got this, I can figure this out. But the wise listen to others. Now, for those that don't know, I am a very huge Golden State Warriors fan, the NBA basketball team, which, by the way, are the uh, NBA world champions. Just want to let you know. Just putting that out there. Swept, swept the cat. Uh, anyways, okay, so... We love you, LeBron. And um, 
This is 2015. In 2015, they were playing the Cavs. They've played the Cavs for a number of years. In 2015, they were playing the Cavs. The Cavs were winning three games to zero. Now, if you know anything about the NBA Finals, it's the best of seven. The first one to win four games wins it all. The Cavs had won three games. They were one game away from winning it all. So all of the Golden State Warrior coaches were getting together that night after that third game loss and were like, we've got to figure out what's going on. So they were strategizing what was happening and how they're going to figure this out and how they were going to go about doing this. They went to bed that night with one game strategy. At three in the morning, the assistant coach, his name is Coach Nick Urin, which is a terrible last name. <laughs> he was a 28-year-old assistant coach. This guy, by the way, was the guy who watched all of the films. He was the guy that actually received all the balls when the guys are shooting during warm-ups. He's the guy receiving the ball and throwing the ball to the guys. I'm going to show you a picture of him. Coach Nick Urin you would think, is one of these guys. He's not. He's this dude in the back. 28 years old at the time, 2015, he's sitting in the back. 3 a.m., he texts his coach, and he says, I think I know how we can win. And so he texts his coach and says, we've had a seven-foot whatever center named Andrew Bogut. He's their center. He said, I think we should play small ball. I've been watching all of the tapes, and the San Antonio Spurs beat the Heat when LeBron was on it by all playing their small guys. And so he says, I, I, I think we should put a guy by the name of Igadala in, who was six foot six, almost eight inches shorter than this tall guy. And I think we should play fastball. Coach Kerr gets that text message, and this is what Coach Kerr says let's do it. They put uh, Igadala in. Now, here's what you got to understand. Andrew Bogut, who was seven, whatever, their center, had started every single game that year. Igadala had never started one game that whole year. And here's the biggest move of ever. We put someone who's never started, and we put him in, and he starts. Here's what happens. Not only do they win game four, they win game five, they win game six, and they win game seven, and they win the entire championship. And to make it icing on the cake, Igadala is named the MVP of the entire championship. All because a coach was willing to listen to his 28-year-old assistant ball boy. President Lincoln, when he was president, used to do a thing called the public opinion bath. Sounds really weird. <laughs> Very weird. I think we need to change the name, but it's what he named it. And this is what it was. On Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., you could walk into the White House and sit down with the President of the United States, and he would listen to you. And you had X amount of time with him, and he would hear you out. And he did this for almost the duration of his presidency, where he would sit down with just any person that would want to come in. I'm sure they vetted him some, to some degree but he would sit down and listen to his people so he could know how to rule them better. He'd know how to rule them right. So here's, here's what I'm playing. If listening can help a team win a world championship and a president rule the nation, how much can listening help our marriage, help our finances, help our faith, help our relationship with people? Come on, somebody. How many of you think it can help us? Which is why all throughout scripture you see this push 
and this encouragement and this challenge from King Solomon to listen, 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 listen. This is what Proverbs, watch Proverbs chapter 1. The very first chapter says, let the wise what? Listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those who understand receive guidance. Now here's the reason why I say this. I believe really this is a life message for me. So I'm 36 years old, for those that want to know. Um, I've been in this church for going on almost 18 years. So half of my life has been here in Jennings. I'm standing on this stage not because of my abilities. I'm standing on this stage because of my teachabilities. I did not get here because I was smarter than someone or better than someone or more skilled than someone. I got on this stage because I just said, I just want to learn and grow. And for the last 18 years, Pastor Bubba has molded me and shaped me and beat me <laughs> and chiseled me and encouraged me and loved me and blessed me along with all the other incredible men in this church that have uh, helped me be the man that I am today. And I don't say that in a bragging way. I say that with all humility that I know that I'm not that good. But to be teachable. I don't, there's not that many people that I know of that are willing to sit under that for that long. I, I, and I want to give you some examples of this. I remember... <laughs> For those that, that, how many of you have been here for 10 years or more? Raise your hand for 10 years or more. If you, come on, it's like, all this, is this, this is a 10 year or more side? It's like, oh, they're all over here. We got a couple over here. Yeah, 10 years or more. Um, you, if you, for those that are 10 years or more and know me, you'll know that I used to not like you. <laughs> this is the truth. Like, I didn't, li- I didn't really like people. <laughs> Sounds funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Um, I, 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 um, I endured people. I, I wanted to help people, but I didn't like people. And I, would, I remember countless times where I would sit in, you know, on a Monday after, after a Sunday, you know, meeting or after Sunday church and we would have in our staff meetings and I'd sit down with Pastor Bo and Pastor Bo would be like, Josh, you, uh, you, you, you love God? Pastor Bo, I love God. Yeah. He's like, you love people? And I'd be like, mm, no, not really. <laughs> He's like, that's a problem. Like, you know you're a pastor, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm like an executive pastor. I deal with the, the other stuff. <laughs> He's like, but you still got pastors, still, still pastor in there. You've got to learn to say hi. <laughs> I know, we're, we're starting somewhere. <laughs> we had to start real low with me. <laughs> you got to say hi. You got to slow down. So he put me on missions like, okay, this week I want you, after, after the end of Sunday, I want you to talk to me about the five people that you met that are new. And I'm like, okay and I slowly began this process and I'm telling you you're seeing a refined Pastor Josh I was, I was very rough around the edges and very rough with people Your wife, my wife, my wife would tell you that too I, and so he's helped me just to learn to have a shepherd's heart because it's his heart he's really good at it like really good at it um, I, I'm learning, I'm growing in that, but I've learned to have to be teachable for him to help me in my weaknesses. 
a really, really big one. I'm going to tell you a really, really big one that happened four years ago that I'll never forget. So as many of you know, when our son was diagnosed with his disease, we you know, went into active mode to try to do as much as we can to help him. But we also felt really, really passionate about trying to help other kids because it's a very rare disease and a lot of people don't know about it. So we went into active mode of trying to raise money. So we put on uh, the largest race in town, Color Free Cure. How many remember that? Anybody remember those things? Yeah. So it was awesome. I mean, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in the first year. And then, and then we went and did it the second year. And, and most people came to it and enjoyed it, but they didn't realize it took us four months of like 40 or 50 hours a week preparing for this thing and sponsors and all the stuff that went into it. And, and I'm the type of guy that if I'm getting into something, I'm going all in. Like I'm all in. Like you got all of me. And so I went all in to fight for my son, to fight for other kids. And, and so I did that the first year and it was great and successful. We we're going into the second year and we're the week of the race. And I'm, I'm in my backyard, and I'm actually working on something in my backyard, and Pastor Bubba calls me. It's the week of the, the race is on Saturday. It's probably a Tuesday or Wednesday. He calls me up, and he says, man of God. If y'all know Pastor Bubba, that's what he does to men. Man of God. Hey, uh, where are you at? I said, I'm at my house. He said, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> What's up? He's like, I, I, where, I, can I, come? I need to come see you. Yeah, I'm at home. So he drives. He pulls into my parking lot. And it's not just him. He gets out the car. But his, his, his son, Zach, gets out of the car, which was a really good friend of mine. At, 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 um, and so it's, it's, like, it's like the dynamic McCann duo. <laughs> and they, like, get out the car, and they're like, hey, can we go somewhere to talk? I'm like, sure. So we go into our, our little sunroom, and they sit me down, and they're like, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm great. You know, it's awesome. I'm so excited about this week. I mean, we're excited, you know, sharing the numbers of the people that are coming and how much money we've raised so far. And the people that are calling us to go and help them start these races and just all this stuff. And then he looks at me and he says, how are you really doing? And I just broke. I just, I was like, I'm exhausted. And he said, can I speak to you like a daddy? Now, when he says that, just letting you know, it's about to come. I said, Pastor Bubba, you're my spiritual daddy. You can tell me whatever you want. He said, I want you to listen to me. Get through this race, have an awesome time, and never do another one again. And inside of me, I was thinking, who are you to tell me to quit something that is this successful? And he says, listen to me very closely. At that time, my son was, was actually digressing. He was doing pretty rough. And he says, if something was to happen to your son and you knew that you took all of this energy for something else and you didn't put it in your family and son, you'd regret it for the rest of your life. And I said, you're exactly right. And we've never done another one since. Have I wanted to do one? You better believe it. <laughs> Have everybody in our community ask, when's the next race? And I'm like, my pastor told me no. No, I not I don't say that, uh, but now you know the backstory, actually, of what's gone on, and can I tell you, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me, that I had a man that loved me enough to look at me and say, don't do that again, and so I've learned, was he trying to control me? No, he was trying to help me. He was trying to help us. 
which Proverbs, uh, let, me, let me show you what, what this says in Proverbs chapter 1. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those who understand receive guidance. So let me, let me give you the, the three things that I think. If you're going to have a listening heart, here's the three things. Number one, you've got to be humble. You've got to be humble. You've got to be humble. Coach Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors, his 28-year-old assistant that said, hey, I think you should do it this way. Coach Steve Kerr could have said, like, do you know who I am? Steve Kerr had won five world championships with the, with the Bulls, was a three-point winning champion. He was a, uh, an analyst for TNT. He was the president of the Phoenix Suns at one time, and now he was the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. He had more credentials. He had more wisdom. He had more knowledge. He had more trophies. He had more everything than this 28-year-old ball boy assistant, and yet he said, you know what? That's a good idea. You know what it takes to do that? Humility. Humility. This is what scripture says. Proverbs 11, verse 2. Pride leads to disgrace, but with what? What's the word? Humility, Humility comes, what, what comes with it? Wisdom. Comes wisdom. So two weeks ago, I went to Texas. I was in Texas with uh, Pastor Zach and Pastor Jamie, and we actually went to one of our family of churches there to learn. We went there to sit and ask questions and glean and get wisdom, and it was great. And the, the pastor said, hey, we're doing a lot of meetings. We're talking a lot. I want to take you guys out. One day I want to take you out. We're going to go out on the lake and have fun. I'm like, party central right here. Let's do this. He says, you're going to be excited. I got two jet skis. I was like, even better. So, so we get there. It's a nice place, lake. He's like, all right, I go get the jet skis. Who knows how to ride a jet ski? I was like, right here. Got this. I am the jet ski pro. I, I know how I've done it a lot. I did, did it with my boys last summer. And he's like, great, come on, come with me. So we go, we walk to where it's all docked up. We're getting it undocked. And, you know, we're about to get on. He says, hey, he says, hold on. He says, do you really know how to ride these? I said, do you know who you're talking to? I mean, listen, I know how to ride these things. He, he's like, I'm, are you sure? I'm, I'm just, I want to help if you, I was like, dude, I got this. So we get it all unhitched, you know, we back them all up and we take on off. And we're flying down the lake at rates like 20 miles an hour. My wife's here. And so um, we're in, I mean, at a real safe, moderate pace and um, just, just cruising, you know. And, uh, and so we're, we're splashing each other, you know, doing things like that and getting each other and having fun like we're 13. And, um, and he, he goes ahead of me, flies ahead of me, and he turns. And so he's like turned like this way. And I'm like, I'm coming straight for him. And I'm thinking, this is the best opportunity to just douse this guy and just splash him. So I rev it up and I head towards him. And I go to turn and forget that if you're going to turn, you have to hit the throttle to turn. I did not hit the throttle. I just turned and I went right up his jet ski. Yeah, exactly. That's what he did. <gasps> I think there was other words, but um, <laughs> he bails, jumps off, and I ram it. Boom! And I'm talking about, you know, it was, it was a decent speed, and I hit it, and I went up it. I didn't go over it, but I went up it. And my heart just went like, boom! I was like, oh my God, oh my God, you okay, you okay, yeah? And he's out, he's getting out of the way. He's like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, are you all right? I'm like, am I all right? I'm gonna hit you, are you okay? He bailed and all that stuff. We get off. And there is a gash in his jet ski, like big. And I'm, now I feel like this small. And all I could think about 
was me at the dock going, dude, I know how to do this. I know, God, I, I, man, I, I, Stephen, I got this. And here I was. I didn't have it. And he was like, don't worry, man, it's all right. And I'm like, no, it's not all right. We had to tow it all the way back. Didn't get to use it anymore. And he's like, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, dude, I'll pay for it. And he's like, no, I got it, I got it. Don't worry about it. And I felt this small that day, the whole day. And he's like, dude, don't beat yourself up. I'm like, I need to beat myself up. My pride got in the way. My pride got in the way. And so because of my pride, it led to something that actually really could have been really bad. But it didn't, thankfully. But I had to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to learn humility. Humility. You got to be humble. You got to be humble. Number two is the listening heart has a desire to grow. The listening heart is humble, but it also has a desire to grow. Let me, let me teach you something. What is teachability? Let me give you a working definition of teachability. I got to fly through this. Teachability is my desire to grow multiplied by my willingness to change. Teachability is my desire to grow multiplied by my willingness to change. What do I mean by that is if you have a desire to grow, but you don't want to change, you're not teachable. I hear people all the time, man, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I'm going to just, I'm going to eat better and I'm going to work out and I'm going to lose weight. And then you tell them like, okay, you need to be like consistent. You need three or four days and you say no to this, you know, these sugars. You need to say no to this. You need to push away in this. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait. I got to give that up. Oh, wait, I got to go to work. I got to go to work out and sweat. No, I'm good. Here's the issue. They have a desire to grow, but they just don't want to change. So therefore they're not teachable. It's got to be a great desire to grow, and it's got to be a willingness to change. You multiply those things together, and you get a teachability factor. This is how teachability works. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend, what does it do? Sharpens a friend. You ever been in a steel mill? Heat, friction, sparks. There's no relationship that's had more sparks in my life than this one. Any married people in the house? A lot of sparks? Yeah, don't be looking at me with your judgmental eyes like you don't have sparks. Yeah, we have sparks, but it's different kind. All right, shut, shut. Listen, I don't want to hear that. We do too. That's after those. Anyways, okay, so too far. Sorry. You're going to be made better. Greater the sparks, you can be made better. And I just wrote this down. Those who give you feedback are those who have the least to gain. So those who, who have to address something in your life, they actually have the least to gain. You have the most to gain. Because when they come and say, hey, man, can I really talk to you about something? Really, they're taking a risk because what they tell you may offend you and you may hate them. And so they've got a lot to, to lose in doing that, but we've got to have a desire to grow, which actually goes into number three, which is the listening heart will embrace correction. A listening heart's got to embrace correction. How I many you know it never feels good to be corrected? Like, no one, like, corrects you, like, hey, man, you just got, like, a real bad attitude, and you're like, thank you! Man, it's just so, oh, God, is there more? Please. What else? Yeah, your marriage, man, you're rough with your kids. Thank you! No, right? Immediately when people start, whether it's your wife or a boss or a friend or a pastor or a life group leader or somebody, and they, they say something, here's the thing. It immediately goes like this. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you what I know about you. 
right? That's where you want to go first. Who are you to say, right? And so, and so if we want to be wise, a listening heart not only desires to grow, but a listening heart embraces that correction. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. What do I mean by that? People who can tell you stuff that hurts to save you from a lot of hurt. That should have gotten a lot better amen than it did. People in your life that can tell you something that hurts to save you from a lot of hurt. How many of you think of people in your life that have saved you from a lot of hurt, but what they told you had to hurt? Yes. And here's, here's the difference. Let me tell you the difference. This is so often. Correction is not rejection. See, when we think of correction, we immediately think they don't like me. They don't want to be around me. They, they're just they're trying to control me. And so we get, reject, we get this rejection spirit on us, like, how dare they tell me? Listen, in my 17 plus years with Pastor Bubba, I've had plenty of times to want to feel rejected. But I've, I've had to remind myself, he loves me. He wants the best for me. The same in my marriage. Lindsay's like, mm, you don't need to do that with the boys. And immediately I want to go, but it's learning to receive that. And it's hard God, it's hard to receive those things, but as we embrace these from people, and this is what I've learned, if you, if you have a rejection spirit, when someone corrects you, you don't grow better, you grow bitter. You grow bitter. So every time you're around them, you're like, all they want to do is tell me what to do. No, they don't. I can tell you right now, as y'all's pastor, I don't want to tell you what to do. I got three people I'm still trying to lead and tell them what to do right now. Like, I just want what's best for you. That's what I want. And sometimes what's best for you means, so I've also got to hurt you. I mean, I talked about that last week, and your parents are like bending you over their knee, and they're like, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're like, bend over. I'll let's see if it hurts. Let me do it to you. But it really does. It's really out of a heart of, come on, how many know parents in here? You don't want to be correcting all the time. Yeah. Dear God, I don't want to spend all day having to spank. I don't want to spend all day having to go, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You just want to go, will you listen? Yeah. It would be so much joy in this house if people would just listen. Yeah. Even my husband. Okay, so <laughs> Proverbs 12, don't nudge, don't nudge. Yeah. Proverbs 12, 1. Watch what, watch what scripture says. To learn, you must love Discipline. <laughs> Watch this one. <laughs> it is stupid. Y'all been waiting to say that in church for a long time. It is stupid to hate correction. So I just wrote this down. This is, this is my thought on this scripture. Ready? Anything in life that is pain-free, risk-free, and problem-free is probably also Jesus-free. You can't look at the life of Jesus or anybody that followed him and not realize that they went through all three of these. How many know Jesus went through some pain? How many know Jesus had to take some risk when it came to stepping out and ministering to people that everybody else saw as outcasts? He took some risk. How many know he had to deal with some, some problems? And so I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you today, this is as an encouragement, if you're having some pain in your life and you're having to take some risk in your life and you've got some problems in your life, you've got a lot of Jesus in your life because he's here to help you walk through those things. But the, more we, the closer we follow Jesus, 
then, then the more we invite these things into our life so that we can grow and get better. How many you know God's desire is for you to grow and become more like Jesus? Become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. So this is it. So we want to have a teachable life. Proverbs 13, 13 says, People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Now watch this. But those who respect command will succeed. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Those who, now watch, what they got to do? We've got to accept it. They avoid the snares of death. I'm telling you, this is all throughout Proverbs, all throughout. Listen to wisdom, listen to wisdom, accept it, gain it. So how do we do this? Let me give you four things of what it is to have a teachable life. What does it mean to have a teachable life? Number one, learners initiate. Learners initiate. James chapter one, verse five, we read this last week. If you need wisdom, if you need something, what do you need to do? Say it again. Yeah, y'all from Louisiana, it's ask. I need to ask you a question. Oh, please don't. Uh, let's, you need to ask God, and he will give it to you. He is a generous God. He will give it to you. So if you need something, a learning heart, a learning posture is if I need something, my marriage isn't where it needs to be, if my relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, if my finances aren't where they need to be, if I want to get better in my leadership, I want to get better in parenting, I want to get better, I just need to initiate and ask. I have not because I've asked not. God's going, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then also, not only do we ask God, but then we can, we can start even asking other people because God puts great people in our lives that we can glean wisdom from. So you can ask your boss. Go to your boss. This, this, will, this will set you apart at your work. You ready? I'm going to deal with work on another week, but I'm going to just give you a sneak peek of it. This will take you to another level in work. It may take a little while, but go and ask your boss, what weight is on your shoulder that I can lift for you? How can, here's another one. How can I be a better employee for this place? What do you need from me? Come on, how many of you know, he, after his jaw gets picked up off of the floor, then it's like, wow, what, what do you, you want to raise? What you want? You want something, don't you? I just want to be a blessing. Ask, ask, ask. Husbands, wives, ask, how am I doing? How am I doing? How are we? How's this right now? How's our kids? Husbands, baby, what do you need from me? How can I be better? We don't ask these questions because we don't want to hear the answer. But how many of you know if we would be humble enough to hear the answer, how many of you know we'd get better, marriage would get better, life would get better? Y'all with me? I know it's getting real quiet in this church. But we want to ask, what do you see? And I, I just wrote this down. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong people. So you got to get some people around you. You got to initiate, get some life-giving relationships, get around somebody. You want to have a great marriage, get around some people that's got great marriages. You want to have great finances, get around some people that are doing it well. You want to have great faith, get around some people that are people of faith that can help you. You got to do that. Number two, learners implement. It's one thing to ask questions. It's another thing to get the answer. Then it's another thing to actually do what they give you the answer for. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I have declared today, implementation day at our Savior's church. Amen. It is implementation day. Ready? Some of you are here and you have heard for a long time that it's time to get plugged in. Guess what? It's time. 
it's time. Now, if you're brand new, you can kick around the tires and by all means, but for those that have been here for months and you're still just attending and you're not getting in, get in. Get to the next step. Today is July 1st. It's step one today. Right after this service, 1115, you can go to our office. It takes one hour. Be the best decision you ever make to get you planted. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. And by the way, if it's not here, get planted somewhere. We know our church isn't everything. There's incredible churches around here. But get planted somewhere, get joined in, become a part of the family. Maybe it's getting water baptized. Maybe you've given your heart to the Lord. We'll have another one come up in a couple months. Sign up. Maybe it's tithing. Maybe you've heard about that. I know I need to. I know, I know. I'm just going to wait. When I get a bonus, I'll do it. No, you won't. If you don't tithe on $10, you won't tithe on $10,000. Okay? You, you got it. It's implementation day here at OSC. It's time to get started, to start doing something. Take a step. Number three, learners improve. Constantly growing, constantly getting better. And I just, listen, I've got to give some credit where credit is due. How many of you enjoyed today when you saw Scott and Holly and Melanie and all of them up here on the team? If y'all know any of their stories, they were behind the scenes for so long. And now we have thrusted them into the spotlight because they have grown Melanie used to be uh, just a little girl in our youth group, the same as Cody and Allie were, just in our youth group, just students in our youth group that are now leading our church into the presence of God. How many of you are thankful for our, it's the next generation coming and growing? And if you, got, if you have kids in, in our kids department or junior high or high school, this is what you have to look forward to because we're all about the next generation and raising them up. Pastor Zach was in my youth group, was the leader in my youth group, took over the youth group, and now is our lead pastor at our Crowley campus. So there's so many great things. I look at Samuel in here playing drums at 11, and now he's killing it, just growing, just a posture of humility. I just want to grow. I want to improve. I want to get better. I want to, I want to grow in this area. And then last is learners inspire. See, because when you're learning and you have wisdom, you inspire people. You get around those people, you're like, man, I don't know what you got. I just want more of it. Let me give this last <clears throat> verse, and we are, we're done. Proverbs 19.20, here's my prayer for this message. Get all the advice and instruction you can. Have y'all heard like a running theme? <laughs> get it, get it, get it. If you can get wisdom, if you can get advice, if you can get instruction, come on, get all that you can. Here's why, here's why. Not so God can control you. Not so God can tell you what to do. Not so that God can just be, you need to do this. And, no, so that you will be wise the rest of your life. When I started this message, I said, man, how many you want to be better? And we listed a, a number of categories and everybody was like, yes, 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 yes. You want to? Get all the advice and instruction you can get. Just get it. Get as much as you can. Ask questions. Get around people. Stay humble. Have a desire to grow. Embrace correction. Em embrace how God is molding you and shaping you. Get around people who will sharpen you and make you better. And if you're in here and go, ah, yeah, that's cool. That's just not for me. You will stay where you're at. And I don't say that in a mean way. I'm just saying that as a reality. You will plateau. Because for us to grow in God, we need his wisdom. And we get wisdom by having a heart of teachability. Would you bow your heads in this place? Actually, let me give you the last one. Everybody in here that takes notes is about to hang me. Let me give you the pearl of wisdom number two. The more teachable I am, the more wisdom I'll have. The more teachable I am, the more wisdom I'll have. All right, now let's pray. Now you can...
Just hold it right there. <coughs> All heads bowed. This is just a moment. You and the Lord. If you'd say, Pastor Josh, man, this is, this is me. I, I, this message, I, I know. I, I want to grow in my teachability. I need more of that. I know that's been limiting me. If that's you, just hands raised, just right here. That's me. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Thank you so much. Father, I just pray for those that are hands raised right now. God, just just being humble to say, I, I need to grow in this area. I need help. Help me. God, I thank you if you say if we ask for help, you'll come, you'll bring help. So I pray right now, Lord, for every person in this room that you would give them the grace wisdom, the resources, and the relationships that they need to accomplish all the things that you've called them to do. God, I pray, Lord, that as they walk in humility, that you surround them with people that can love them and help them and encourage them. And that in doing so, as they grow in wisdom, God, that they would also inspire those around them to live that way. God, we want to be a people who make a difference. We realize we can't do that apart from you. But you can put your hands down right there. And, and I just want to say this for those just heads still bowed. True wisdom comes from the Lord. We know that. And the wisest thing you can do today is actually receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest decision. That's the number one decision before trying to get wisdom. It's I need to have a relationship with the one who is the wise one. That's God himself. It's simple, by the way. It's as simple as ABC. And we just admit that we're sinners. That apart from Christ, we're nothing. That we didn't need his grace. That we be believed that Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. He lived the life you and I should have lived. And we believe that he took our guilt, our shame on the cross. That I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it. And Last but not least, we confess that he is not only Savior, but that he is the Lord. And we invite him to come and to rule and reign in our lives. If that's you today, and you've never prayed and asked the Lord to come and live on the inside of you, you've never given your heart, fully surrendered to him, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up unashamedly. One, two, three. If that's you, shoot your hands up all across this place. Thank you. One, two, thank you. Anybody else? Now, would you just all pray this together? Come on, we're going to all pray this as a church family. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and taking my guilt, my shame, my sin on the cross. Today, I recognize you as my Lord and my Savior. You've taken my guilt and you've given me your freedom. Cleanse me from this moment forward. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.